0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Let me tell you a little bit about Nikki Cuthbertson. She started her career as a critical care nurse for a number of years. After becoming a Reiki master, she began to receive messages from clients' guides and later began to hear communications from animals and then spirits from the other side. Now, She loves working with all animals, specializes in working with elite sport performance horses. She also has a deep caring of working with wild mustangs and have been rounded up, uh, thanks to her, and taken care of. Nikki also offers communication with animals that have transitioned into the spirit side, as well as with humans on the other side as well. Nikki, welcome back to the program.
0: Uh, Thank you, George. Thank you so much for having me.
1: What is new in the world of animal communications?
0: Oh, gosh, so much so. Um, I guess part of it is that um, what I have been finding through doing some of my readings is that, um, I'm trying to think of an example of it, but a lot of the animals are evolving as we are, and I feel that over the probably, I guess, 10, 15 years that I've been doing this work, some of the information coming from the animals has been um, really progressive, and they've been evolving with us. And one of the things I've been really trying to do and keep current with with my own animals is not really lock them into a box or make assumptions about who I think they are, I feel like they're changing just like we are all the time. And so part of how I use my gift is to stay current with my animals. And I pretty much think that that's a good thing to do in all relationships with our all of our loved ones, just to stay really current and not put anyone in a box. Um, but I practice that with my animals as well, because it's too easy to make assumptions about who they were, and then lock them into the past. So I don't know if that's an answer to your question, but that's the first thing that came to mind.
1: And is it safe to say that you specialize in horse communications?
0: I have a really big um, horse community that I'm uh, connected with, but I I work with a lot of dogs. I've worked with ferrets, I've worked with dolphins, I've worked with cats, um, turtles, uh, lizards, A lot of people have reptiles as uh, pets, and I've worked with all of them.
1: Has anybody approached you from Santa Anita Racetrack in California?
0: Uh, Not specifically, but I've worked with a lot of horses that come off the racetrack, and my horse is included in that.
1: I believe 34 horses have died there, uh, and it's just baffling to them out there. Uh, Lots of them, of course, from leg injuries, but mm-hmm. it, that's it's untold it's unheard of. I just there's either something wrong with the track or somebody's doing something very bad. I don't know what it is, but I'm just wondering they should employ you to to deal with that you could talk to some of the horses that have been racing around maybe they've seen something
0: or know something they they would be able to communicate about that and um, it's really interesting hearing you say that with with my own horse. Um, when he was pretty snarky when I first got him. He's a thoroughbred that's off the track. And as I did a lot of work with him, I realized he became that, and he was very defensive, and I had to work through all his layers of defensiveness. And when I really got to the crux of it, the communication I got from him was that he, nobody ever asked him permission to use his body. It was just expected that he do his job. But there was nothing ever collaborative. And when they're really stressed like that over time, it can lead to injuries, especially when they're trying to communicate that they have pain or they don't feel good or the work is too hard for them um, cardiovascularly and they um, are just expected to work at a certain level, and they're trying to communicate, and when they're displaying their uh, behaviors in a way that seems maybe less than cooperative, they're usually trying to communicate some sort of way that they're not up to the task, and they can be very specific about it. So I've been able to work through a lot of those layers with my horse, and I would say he's a really, really different horse now, four years later than he was when I first caught him.
1: Good for you. We'll talk a lot about uh, animal communications with you this hour and uh, when we take calls next hour. But let's talk a little bit about intuition, which is a tie-in with some of this. In your opinion, what is that intuition?
0: It's changed for me through the years. You know, there's real traditional ways of... um, explaining what intuition is, Um, a way of describing it would be what you know immediately that is beyond reason, and that is beyond what your rational mind can justify. You just know what you know. Uh, But within that, there's different layers of that. Um, I'll go through the list, but For me, really in particularly, I think what I've come to know about myself and my own gift is that I'm very empathic. And so I'm feeling into the experience that a human and or um, an animal is experiencing in relationship to a circumstance, a medication, um, a behavior, something that is uh, going on with them they're having an emotional response to that, and I see it. As lines of energy and where they begin to converge um, between that and maybe say the medication or a circumstance, a move, a new baby in the house, um, a horse being moved that was a really entrusted friend, all of these things that um, affect their life in such a deep way and I see lines of energy and where they get gnarled up and where they get untangled and my gift works in that way. It's very interrelational. And I just think that um, as we live our lives, both as humans and animals, as sentient beings, we have feelings and thoughts about the things that we're experiencing and that we're living. And uh, they become energy in our bodies that we're metabolizing. And so I'm able to perceive that. So that being said um, a real more traditional way of saying it and I and I believe all of this comes into play with my gifts as well is you can be clairvoyant which is clear seeing mm-hmm and that's imagery that you download that you might see an image or you might have a little bit of a premonition about something as you see something coming into the future. Um, Many of the readers or the listeners here are going to be falling into that category, and a lot of the animals tend to lean heavily in that category. They're very image-oriented, so when I'm communicating with them, Uh, which for me is a very heart-centered practice. My practice is to drop into my heart and when I drop in there, I will begin to download and see imagery. You can also be clairaudient and that's when you're able to hear a word or snippets of sentences or sounds that might be really relevant to the person either on the other side or the animal that we're connecting with. You can be a be clairsentient, and that is where you have a real clear sense of what another being is feeling and experiencing as energy and emotions. You can be clair-cognizant, and that's kind of a real instant knowing. That's like your gut knowing. You just don't even have a way of describing it. You just know what you know instantaneously. Right. Um, clairgustance is uh, clear tasting, and clair-alliance is clear smelling, and those things come in really handy when I work with lost animals because an animal on the other side that's crossed over isn't going to be talking about what they ate or what they smelled. um, They have a a different vibration, but somebody that is lost and maybe in the woods and has hunted a lizard and can communicate a feeling to me about that is still in their body. So I rely on that as well.
1: How many different types of intuition are there? Because you just rattled off several.
0: Um, I don't actually have an answer to that, but what I guess I would say is that in a lot of um, traditions, people talk about it through your third eye and through your heart, and what I've really come to know over time is that every single one of yourselves is intuitive. Um, Your cells are all trying to create health. They're in relationship with the world, and they're interfacing with this world and the life that you're living. And all of your cells are constantly digesting information. And so for me, I use all of my energy centers. And I don't even know that they all have a name, but it's all, I mean, they all have chakras. You know, there's all um, ways that we can describe it. But for me, I use all of my energy to interface with whatever animal or uh, being that I'm connecting with.
1: Did you train yourself? How did you get this gift?
0: I think I've always been really, really intuitive, but I didn't know it. And uh, for myself, when I was an ICU nurse, I feel, in a cardiac nurse, I was intuitive, but I was really by the book. You know, there's a lot of protocols and um Standards that hold us accountable to standards of care. But within that, I always had a feeling when my patient was going to be the one to code or that there was something that was going to go down on the unit, I could always kind of feel that in my bones. And I was always fascinated by disease and health and why an 85 year old that maybe is on their fifth GI bleed might still pull through and why a 35-year-old might not pull through having a virus. It was like, what made somebody pull through and what didn't? What are the belief systems? What is their way of thinking, their thoughts? And then there's divine timing and all of those things kind of converging in on this moment for this person. And I, it, the more I went into medicine, the more I felt that I didn't really know everything. And it was very... Um, humbling, and it, it really kept me in that humble place and in that state of constant wonder about the mystery of, of life. Um, so, um, let's see where to go from here. I started as a Reiki master mainly because I wanted to follow up on that disease and health. and. Right. Um, did,
1: and did you train yourself?
0: No, I became certified. I went through three different levels of certification, and it's kind of an activation of energy, and it really activates your intuitive knowing. Um, It's not always talked about because it's really within Reiki. There's ways that um, people, especially in the West, are really uh, wanting to learn about health and healing and use Reiki for that, and then kind of in the East, it's all about the spiritual tradition and that that is the thing that brings you healing, and they intersect somewhere in the middle. Um, The more you work on yourself and become more self-aware and heal yourself, it lends itself to learning about yourself as more than just your physical body And then in the spiritual traditions, I think part of the path is really about learning how to be courageous in being embodied in this body when there's a lot of reasons where we as humans can feel triggered and unsafe in being in these bodies. And so it just depends on what you came here to experience and learn and for your own soul's soul's evolution. But um, as a Reiki practitioner, I was able to really start understanding the nature of disease and why someone might come to me with lung cancer or pancreatitis or heart disease and start seeing or sensing um, childhood traumas or things that they had experienced where the energy didn't flow as well the more I did that the more I would maybe see somebody walking their dog and I'd watch that person and go, oh, blonde hair, blue eyes, she has a blocked thyroid, and oh, the dog has kidney disease. And I think that from having my experience as an ICU nurse, having labs um, and x-rays and films validate di- um, diagnosis, that my body started memorizing the code for different kinds of disease processes. So when I would feel the recognition of that in strangers or other animals and then later down the road have it be validated, um, I knew I was onto something. And uh, from there, over time, maybe somebody's grandmother would pop in. And so everything is energy to me. It's just different levels of frequency. And for us and for animals, we all have different ways that we kind of perceive the energy based on uh, where we're dominant, just left or right-handed, or are you more clairvoyant or clairaudient, or where are you in your, um, in your perceptions, in your level of consciousness that you embody. And there's nothing wrong with any level that anybody is, whether it's an animal or a human, but all of those come into play with what you're able to perceive. Um, and so there's different levels of truth that people will resonate with, and the whole of this work is about coming into resonance with whatever being that we're connecting with.
1: When you started communicating with those on the other side, uh, do you remember the very first episode, and then how did you feel about that?
0: You know... It's funny, I remember my first animal communication, but I don't remember my first uh, communication as a medium, but I do remember throughout all of it this absolute sense of wonder, and I, I think that there's this parallel with myself and maybe for a lot of your listeners and a lot of the animals that I work with that a lot of people don't get a lot of recognition for um, their invisible worth or their invisible value, their invisible contribution to different relationships, whether it's their work life. And with the animals, they're, they're voiceless. And so there's a way that it's easy to take them for granted. And, of course, a lot of the people in my database just absolutely cherish their animals. So those animals really aren't really taken for granted, But it's also that same thing with when they're on the other side. If you don't keep the relationship active by relating to them, they're always there for us. But when Mm -hmm. you recognize them and communicate with them, there's such a deep, gratitude that they have, that you're still willing to engage in the relationship in its new form. It's not easy, meaning if you want to try to relate to them the way they were when they were in um, their bodies in a more um, dense earth world kind of way, earth plane kind of a way, it's not going to work as well. They're, they're not embodied. They're pure potential, pure love, pure light, and pure energy. So we have to do our part to raise our vibration um, through a lot of contemplative practices, which is what works for me, um, and moving my body. And when we raise our vibration, they can better lower their vibration to meet us in the middle and continue it. And so um, I just think that gratitude and opening up your heart and recognizing the invisible realms and giving gratitude for these things that maybe aren't always valued because you can't see it. There's a human way that we may want to see it first before we believe it. And I lived that a lot, especially in my critical care years. I don't think I would have ever thought I would have done this for a living. I was all about the data and having the validation that way. And really when this started happening, it was a real, pivotal person that it happened with and uh, a patient, and that was an amazing story, but um, through, through this relationship and the intensity of it, I began to see auras and energy, and I really credit him with my waking up to my gifts.
1: What did you conclude about what's happening on the other side, or how it even started?
0: Well, I don't know how it started. That's a big question, but I do feel that you've had many 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 lifetimes and in this lifetime you knew what you would need in order for your soul to evolve and i think a lot of us are living in a time where we're thinking why would we have chosen this i think that there's a way that time is moving quicker and um, at a higher frequency And so a lot of things that look like they're really big challenges happening in a really short period of time are happening for a lot of of people. But at the time you chose this life, I really do feel that you knew you had all the wherewithal to make it through whatever it is that you're living. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.